Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's such a delight to be here with you, especially with the the people on the live stream. Um, My name is Jessica Hughes. For those of you who don't know me, I'm your missionary at Uganda Christian University. Um, I have to start with a couple things. First, I have to remind you that you are the best sending congregation ever. No, you really are. You, your love and your support and your care for me, 8,000 miles away, I cannot tell you what that means to me. And one thing that COVID has done is enabled me to worship with you during the live stream. And that has been such a gift. Uganda's been under uh, various flavors of lockdowns on and off for the last two years. There's still a curfew going on at 7 o'clock, enforced with varying degrees of efficacy. (laughs) Um, Even on the way to the airport, I I had to go through three police checkpoints um, with varying degrees of difficulty. Uh, The first one, you shouldn't be out. I'm going to arrest you and impound your car. And my first thought was, you can't do that, I'll miss my flight. Which I did not say, thankfully. No, no Sabo, please, I have, a, I have a boarding pass, I can go to the airport. And then we discussed that. And why am I not in a government car? We had to discuss that. And it was, it's late, and so, you know, it's, it's very cold out here. Yes, it is. And so I want tea. I'm like, but you cannot have tea because it's after curfew and everything is closed. No, but we can get tea. Ah, but if you got tea, you would have to arrest those people because it is after curfew. That all should have gotten me arrested. Praise God it didn't. But you know, after about 10 minutes of that, I was able to go on my way. And the second checkpoint, you shouldn't be out, but I have a boarding pass. You shouldn't be out, but I have a boarding pass. The president said, okay. And the third one, you shouldn't be out. I took out. He said, okay, go. Wait, can you talk to the other guy? Because this is much more the way it should be. But being able to worship with you online has been such a gift because you people, I miss you when I'm gone. You're my people. You're my home. And when I'm gone, I miss you. And I couldn't come home last year. I usually have the gift of coming home annually. Um, the world was on fire. And Tebby opened and didn't open until October. So I wasn't able to come home. So... I was missing you. You have to know that. And so being able to be here with you, but worshiping online was so great. I'd see people walk by and I'd be squealing. Like, look, all of those are my people. I mean, really, I'm talking to my computer as I'm, as I'm worshiping with you. So that's just, just know that that's how, what happens far away. Um, the churches and schools have recently reopened, which is good. Um, we're, very, we're very happy about that, especially since I teach at a university. So uh, Americans would say that I'm a seminary professor. I kind of choke on those words. I'm used to the Ugandan, I'm a lecturer. So I lecture in the seminary at Uganda Christian University. I teach in biblicals, largely Old Testament and biblical interpretation, how do we handle the scriptures. But in the last year, I was appointed the e-learning manager for the university, which is, as we do things like you, it's kept me a little busy keeping our 11 faculties teaching online as we figure things out. Um, Do you remember the old EDS commercial with herding cats? I'm dating myself. That was such a great commercial, wasn't it? um, And then they they had one about uh, building the plane as you're flying it. 
lesser known, but equally as good. Look it up. It's on YouTube. And um, I sat my team down in the e-learning center and put up on our big smart board those commercials. People, this is us. And, you know, they're all young and they're like, okay, Rev. But it's true. Those are great commercials. They stand the test of time. But the Lord has been so faithful to us in Uganda, to you here. People are always asking how you are. And so I have to do the second thing. I bring greetings. So many greetings from my colleagues, from my students who love you about as much as I do. Um, the question is always at home. How are the people at home? They're okay. How are the people at your church? They are fine. Are they meeting together? Yes, they are. They send your greetings. So I've been giving your, giving your greetings as well. Is that okay? I hope so, because I have been. So thank you for granting me. <laughs> thank you for granting that. And this is something that Uganda is constantly teaching me, the importance of community, the importance of community. In our lockdowns, when we're, you know, we're all hunkered down at home and the only communication we have is online, that's insufficient. It's not peeing around people. Um, when we started going back to the office, I was exhausted. I'm not used to peopling. I'm used to typing, not peopling. But that's what, not what God created us for. He didn't create us for typing. He created us for relationship. And so being together as a family, being together as the body of Christ is crucial. And so I mean that in the general Christian sense, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. But uh, for me, I mean it in a more literal sense, too. Um, for those of you who do not know, I went to seminary in Uganda. The bishop said, why don't you study abroad? And I said, okay. I thought that meant England. And, and then he said, why don't you go to Uganda? And I said, what? He said, oh, you can stay and minister there. I said, what? John, what? He said, yeah, pray about it. And then some years later, here we are. And so one of my classmates, Amos, decided to adopt me as his sister. Now, I'm born alone. I have no siblings. Amos has seven others. I don't know why he needed another one. But he did, and that's fine. And his dad is a retired bishop. And when I met Bishop Evans... I, was, I approached them, and I heard um, Bishop say to Amos, is this her? You know, the white chick walking up, is this her? Yes. And then he says, daughter. <laughs> and so I replied, papa. <laughs> and that was like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And now when I see Bishop Evans, daughter. Hello, papa. So I've been adopted. I now have siblings. Amos gets annoyed when I say I'm an only child, but... I was adopted in my, when I was 40, so I, I think it's fair. But Amos also gave me a Luganda name. So my name is Nakalema. So when I, when I go up to a Muganda and I say, Nze Nakalema, they go, hmm, okay. So because they know several things. One, I have a little bit of Luganda. Two, they know what clan I come from. I come from the Lion Clan. Hmm, I come from the Lion Clan. There's a hierarchy. And Nakalema is a royal name. And so they go, so they side-eye me, but then they're side-eye me like, hmm, why, why is this one? Why is she Nakalema? I didn't choose my name. I don't know. But I'm a princess. Cousin Zay Nakalema. It's evidenced by my name that I am a princess. And the fact that we are all princes, princes and princesses, daughters of the king, is evidenced in our name when we say that we are Christians. We put on the name of Christ. 
And this is a good tie-in to our celebration today of Christ the King, where we celebrate Jesus as the King. As uh, Father Scott already said, we're closing out ordinary time in the liturgical calendar. Next week begins Advent with bringing on all the purple and bringing on the waiting. Kids, of course, are waiting for Christmas. I mean, let's be fair, adults too. But in Advent, we're waiting for Jesus' return. Coming as the baby was sweet and wonderful and important. The incarnation is crucial to our theology. Jesus had to come, but he came as a baby, came quietly. He came, entered Jerusalem riding on the donkey, the animal of peace. When he comes back, it's not going to be so quiet. Everyone's going to know. I think the riding on the clouds, I'm kind of fascinated how that's going to happen. How do you ride on clouds? To me, Jesus is just very huge. I mean, really big. Everyone will see. Everyone will know. He'll be riding a horse, the animal of war. He'll be establishing his kingdom. I want to be here and I don't want to be here. I can't decide which one. So we're waiting for him. And so there are several reasons why it's important for us to look at Christ as king. We think of him as savior, but he is also Lord. And that means that he is king. So he is not a king, he is the king. Now the Baganda love their kabaka. Chitu fusebo. Uh-huh. I, I just asked John, is it true? The, ah, see, the Baganda love their kabaka, their king. Ah, chitu funyo. Very true, very true. When the kabaka shows up, everyone loses their minds. The man is so incredibly wildly popular. You can't understand how popular this man is. He was sick for a minute. It was front page news. For days. How is the Kabaka? Is he sick? What does he have? What's going on? Who knows? Rumors everywhere. And in the cult, it's a cultural post. He's not a government official. It's a cultural post. Headlines for days. How is the Kabaka? What is he doing? Because the Baganda adore their king. And this is good. And there are parallels for us also. The Kabaka unites the Baganda. All the various clans come together to support and love their king. Do you see where I'm going with this with the church? The church is united. Jesus is coming for one bride. Not many brides. There's not going to be a harem going on. He is coming for one bride. All the denominations will fizzle away and one church worshiping Jesus. No matter our ancestry, our tribe, or tongue, we are all sons and daughters of the king. And we see this in our readings for today. Our reading from Daniel 7 comes at the end of a series of visions about the future and several kingdoms. The vision here is of the last and the eternal kingdom. We see God, the ancient of days, sitting in judgment with all the books who have lived before him. And then one like a son of man, whom we know to be the Messiah, who we know to be Jesus, approached God, and he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all should serve him. And who is in that kingdom? Everyone, not just one tribe or clan, everyone is in the kingdom. So all people, nations and languages should serve him. And they will serve him. It's not going to be an optional thing. His dominion is going to be everlasting. It will not pass away. This is good news, people, isn't it? I'm kind of tired about things here, frankly. I don't know about you. I'm ready. Again, I'm not sure I want to see it, but I'm also ready. 
All the kingdoms from Daniel's vision are going to pass away, but not the Messiah's. His kingdom will not be destroyed. So we see that Christ the King will have supreme rule over the world. No one is exempt from being his subject. That rule will not end. And our reading from Revelation tells us who Christ the King is. And it's describing Jesus. He is the faithful witness. What he says can be trusted. He is the firstborn of the dead. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead and not return to it. He defeated death. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, all the kabaka. Yes, even the kings are going to be subject to Jesus because he is sovereign. He is the ultimate, no one above him. And John reminds us that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. But Revelation 1 also reminds us who we are. Verse 6 reminds us that Jesus has made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. We belong to him. It's not just a kingdom of things, it's a kingdom of people. We are his sons and daughters. We are all royalty. In our gospel reading, Jesus asked Pilate if he was the king of the Jews. Of course, Pilate's idea of what a king was is very limited, wasn't it? He just had the governmental scope and who can he rule over and what is he in charge of. He was not thinking of the kingdom. Jesus told him in John 18:36 that my kingdom is not of this world. So yes, he is a king. And in the next verses, 37 to 38, we have the famous exchange between Jesus and Pilate where Pilate said to him, "So, you are a king." And Jesus answered, "You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth." Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate's question, what is truth? Now, whether Pilate meant that rhetorically, whether he was annoyed at how Jesus had answered him, not answering him directly, whether he really wondered what is truth, and by extension, who is truth, the same question is posed to us today. What is truth? Isn't that question as old as time, really? Now, I have to tell you that I live, living 8,000 miles away is very interesting in the age of the internet because I can watch you. I do. I read, I read the internet. I watch some videos. And I sit and wonder, I'm like, what are you people doing? You know, I talk about you like I'm not one of you. What are those people doing, those Americans? You know, I, I like to pretend. And it conf- sometimes it confuses me. You people. I'm like, ah, what are you people doing? I don't understand. And, um, you know, my friends laugh at me and say, by the way, Jessica, you are an American. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, not this one. This time, these people, I just don't get. I just don't get. So one of the things that confuses me is this whole cultural thing of speaking your truth. Right? Isn't that a catchphrase? Speaking your truth, speaking his truth, their truth. Um, it's kind of, it kind of goes with the secularization of religious terms. Like, it's very cool for someone to manifest something. I'm not quite sure how you manifest something. Isn't that, is it that kind of speaking something into being? Pretending like you're God speaking something into existence, which only God can do. But if a Christian were to say, the, the Lord has given me a word and I'm prophesying, I would be the freak. But if someone else is manifesting, that's okay. I don't get it. How do you people make that distinction? So, in the same lines, people speak their truth. 
And there's a problem with this. Truth, by definition, cannot vary. Truth, by definition, is absolute. It is a fact that has been verified or conformity to reality or actuality. There cannot be simultaneous yet opposing truths. It just can't be. We can have experiences, and those can and do vary. Um, But we cannot have different truths. I will listen to anyone's experience. I love listening to experiences. I love learning from people and learning who they are, what they've gone through, what is happening in their lives. I love that. But that that is an experience. And as long as we can have a happy discussion about it, in which everyone is listening, I I am down for that forever. But when you say my truth is different from your truth, that one I'm not okay with. It's not that I disagree and my truth wins, because if I were to say this lectern is blue, my truth is that this lectern is blue. And if Scott were to say, well, Jessica, you're wrong, that lectern is Mahogany. Is that what you said before? Mahogany? Oh, yes. I said burgundy and he corrected my truth on his version of the truth. So his truth. But do you see where it goes though? Scott's version is that this is mahogany. Okay. And I I can accept that. I kind of like burgundy, but I'll accept mahogany. But now do you see how we have competing views of even what that word is? Who's, Who's going to win? Well, Scott, because he's the rector. But... But do you see how two, two kinds of truth cannot coexist? Truth, by definition, is absolute, full stop. And so the truth is that Jesus is the king. Christ the king Sunday. Jesus is the king. He attested to it in the portion of John's gospel that we read. And this is corroborated by other gospels and other scriptures. The portion of Daniel we read, as well as, well as other prophets, look forward to the time when Jesus will come to establish his reign. And with the mess that we're in now, the Advent cry of come Lord Jesus is so appropriate. And the mess we're in now requires truth. It's a hard thing. Nobody wants to hear truth, but we need it. We desperately need it. Um, The fact that has been verified of the reality of one God, of one God who gave his son to die to restore us to him. Friends, we have to speak this truth. We have to live this truth. I would argue that um, even people who don't think they want it do, do in their souls want it. We're craving truth, something to cling to. All these expressions of individuality and here is my truth and it's different from your truth. We're, we're grasping for things that we need because we need things and this COVID time has really tamped that down, that ability to reach out and have it. But this is why in this vacuum, we need truth so much more. I'm so grateful for the outreach that um, you people, and I mean that in the best way, that you people have started with the food giveaways, for example, meeting people's physical needs. But that's not it. There's also the prayer tent to meet people's spiritual needs, meeting people where they are, listening to the experiences, loving them where they are, because that's what God does with us. And that's the ministry that we're called to and that you're doing. And I'm so excited that you're doing it. Praise God. Please keep it up more and more. We just had our diocesan synod this weekend, and we heard several testimonies of how the church is reaching out with the love of Jesus, speaking and living the truth of the gospel, and seeing people come to faith, seeing healing and restoration, because that's the truth that we're craving in our souls, isn't it? We know we're broken. 
We know we need healing, but we may not know where to get it and where to find it. And yet it's here. So this is the truth that we need to live and to proclaim. And so this is what I want to challenge you to continue to do, because you're already doing it. And I love this about you, us. <clears throat> continue to live, to speak, to love, and to worship in truth. The culture may call it your truth. That's fine. As long as it gives you a voice, that's fine. You can call it my truth. You know it's the truth, but say it, call it what you need so that your voice is heard. But remember, the problem with everyone having truth is that ultimately none of it can be true. Despite the assertions of individuality and autonomy, the world is hurting. People are hurting. I know you know this. I know you do. And yet I also know that you live in a world that really wants to know the truth. So let's continue to point people to him. Let's continue to live as though Jesus is the king because he is. That has been truth. That has been established. And when we live as people who are prince and princesses of the king, then I think we can really bring change and start to bring in this rule of heaven on earth. Amen. <laughs>